Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Santarelli, Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer, Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Sladke, Jake of House Hollyfield, Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Sladke, Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin, and Will of House Larson. Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. On this episode, we are going to be breaking down team Fresh Prince of Hilaire, who is Danny's team. Danny is coming off a season in which he was the worst team in the For the Throne, and he has a couple pieces that hopefully are going to get him a couple more wins this year. And just by looking through some of the projections and bye weeks, I'll tell you what, the scheduling committee was definitely on Danny's side this year according to sleeper because if we look from week five on until week 11 every team that danny plays against is missing at least three key players can't get much luckier than that i don't know how much money danny slipped to the scheduling committee under the table but i want to know so i can try to do the same next year because he he's gonna have a really cupcake schedule this year so we'll see he should be able to make the playoffs just based off of that alone yeah a real kevin durant season (laughs) <laughs> okay, so let's break down Danny's inaugural draft, starting with the 111. So he was drafting out of the 11 spot, and in that spot, he took Nick Chubb. In the 202, he took Julio Jones. So that's a really, really good duo that he had to start the draft. At 311, then he took Sony Michelle, and 402, AJ Green. He doesn't have any of those four picks left on his roster. He through trades, all those guys are gone. Although Tony Michelle was probably a little bit of a reach, but that that's crazy to me. His top four guys are all gone. Five eleven then comes his first player that he actually has on his team right now. So he's got Jarvis Landry at the six oh two. He's got Carson Wentz, and at the eight oh two, he has Abella Danger's boyfriend Roquan Smith with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and then 9-11 then, he took Jarek McKinnon. Looking back, yikes. He cannot stay healthy, and it sucks because mm-hmm. the 49ers have such a great run offense. 10-2 then, he took D.D. Westbrook. The 10-08, we got Geronimo Allison. Holy crap, in the 10th. That's a, that's a breach, however, someone. At the 11-11, he, he has Avante Maddox. 12.02, Eli Apple. I just can't believe how many IDPs I'm seeing right now. That's a lot, yeah. Uh, 13.11, Kevin King. 14.02, Miles Jack. 15.05, Cameron Hayward. So he went IDP, one, two, three, four, five straight picks. And a reach with Geronimo. Mm-hmm. Not a good middle part of the draft there. At the 15.11, then, he's got Kyle Rudolph. And 16.02, he actually took... I could be wrong, but I, it was one of the first three kickers off the board in Kaimi Fairbairn. It's a little high for a kicker. 17-11, he's got TJ Yeldon. 19-11, Antonio Callaway. 20-02, John Ross. 20-11, Geno Atkins. Real quick, wasn't Antonio Callaway in the uh, XFL? 
Yeah, because um, he was supposed to be a really, really good player for the Browns, and he kept getting in trouble in the NFL. So he, the Browns cut him, and he went in the XFL. 21-02, then he took John Kelly. 23-11, J.J. Nelson. 24-02, Mike Daniels. And then the 25-11, Theo Riddick. So looking at that, you could tell right off the bat he was not going to have a good year. I mean, obviously we wouldn't project that at the beginning, Looking back, though, it definitely makes sense that he only won four games. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys that had some potential and really didn't show much last year, and he's got a couple guys that aren't even in the NFL right now and that were on his original picks. Looking at the rookies, then, that he has, at 107, he took Noah Fant. That's a really nice piece for him. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up getting a first, my first, and took Dwayne Haskins. I actually traded him some... Uh, my first for some veterans picks in that inaugural draft, and he took Dwayne Haskins. I'm just glad he didn't take, like, a stud there. <laughs> 206, then he took Tony Pollard, who is the handcuff for Zeke. 307, he took Hunter Renfro. I think that was a really good find in the third round. We'll see what his role is. And then in the fourth round, middle of the fourth, he took Terry McLaurin, who we all know is an absolute beast. No longer on Danny's team, but looking at some statistics here, he only has nine of his 25 drafted vets, and then he has two of his drafted five rookies. That's a lot of turnover on his roster, but he had a pretty darn good 2020 draft, and two of the big pieces that he drafted are no longer on his team, although he still has Fanton Renfro. Breaking down his depth chart now, he does have two quarterbacks on his roster, and that's it. Carson Wentz, who I'm okay with being my quarterback one in the dynasty, and then he's got Drew Brees. I can see him definitely using Drew Brees a lot more this year than he does Wentz. Could be the opposite, though. However, here's the thing. Drew Brees probably, this could be his last year. And, you know, obviously if they'd win a Super Bowl, no way he's coming back. And the Saints are ready to go. But you got to look at his team, and it's kind of poor. I'm really, really shocked that he got rid of Haskins. I mean, say what you want about Haskins, but at least it gave him a young quarterback that he could put into his depth chart. Looking at it, if Drew Brees would have retired, he's got one quarterback. What's he going to do? Yeah, um, Carson Wentz is a pretty damn good quarterback, but every year he gets hurt. And then his other his backup, or 1A and 1B, and Drew Brees is 40-something years old. So he definitely needs to go a target a young quarterback now that he got rid of his one chance at a young QB. Because uh, if one of these guys gets hurt or uh, Drew Brees ends up getting, I don't think he won't be benched. But if Jameis starts pushing at Drew Brees, he's going to be screwed. Let's look at his running backs now. So he's got Christian McCaffrey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You can't ask for a better one-two duo, young duo in Dynasty, especially in a PPR league. Love those guys. Looking at a little bit of his depth then, or lack thereof, he has Raheem Mostert, who... Had a ton of incredible games last year with San Francisco. The only issue with Raheem Mostert is in the Kyle Shanahan offense, he's going to ride the hot hand, whether that be Raheem Mostert, whether that be Tevin Coleman, whether that be Jarek McKinnon, whether that be Jeff Wilson. The names go on and on and on. But he'll ride the hot hand, that's for sure. But I do like Raheem Mostert. He's going to be the starter to at least start the year for San Francisco. Matt Breida is with Miami now, so he was another guy that 
he was riding the hot hand with in San Francisco. He kind of got freed a little bit. It's him and Jordan Howard there in Miami. I know for a fact that Jordan Howard will be the starter. Matt Breida is a little bit better of a pass catcher. Jordan Howard has never been involved in the passing game at all. We'll see what his role is, and it could be like a nice one-two punch there in Miami. Here's the thing, though. The Miami offensive line is ranked 32 by PFF, so they're bad, even with all the rookies that they went and got. I, they're also very young, though, because they just drafted a couple. Yeah, I, I like <clears throat> both Mostert and Brita as good flex options. <clears throat> Maybe not top flex options, but we'll see later on that these probably are his top flex options. But, like, one or two of them, depending on if they're hot or not. I think by the end of the year, Brito will be their everyday starter in Miami just because I'm not a huge fan of Jordan Howard. Uh, but then when you have them to back up McCaffrey and Hilaire, you're looking pretty good right off the bat. It's just the problem is the rest of the running backs on his roster. We have now named four running backs on Danny's team. Looking at, like, his regular rosters, he looks like he's going to be starting Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida just about every week. Mm-hmm. Here's the issue. He doesn't have any playable running backs on his bench. Literally zero, including his taxi squad. He does have two other rosters. So he has Damian Williams. Damian Williams just opted out. CJ Procise is an NFL free agent. <laughs> That's an issue. <laughs> I have no clue why CJ Procise is even on Danny's roster. That's the first thing. And second of all, how is he not even like attempted to try to find someone on the free agency? Maybe he's just waiting for the trickle-down effect of cuts for it to happen. Who knows? But he's got to do something because this is a problem. I, I hope he's waiting for that. Um, and at that point, then I hope no people don't uh, dump rosterable running backs because th- this, that's not a good strategy to bank on. Um, right now, just looking at the app, the top running backs available are Kyle Juszczyk, um, and is the fullback in San Francisco. Then we got Ty Johnson for the Lions. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to see why he didn't really pick up anybody yet. But at the same time, like... It's worth a gamble. You, you need to get someone. Yeah. Now, looking at some of his wide receivers, he's got Stephon Diggs as his wide receiver one. I don't like that at all in Dynasty being his top-tier wide receiver. Now, Stephon Diggs, we'll see what happens with him in Buffalo. The thing is, a lot of people are like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. He's got Josh Allen throwing in the ball. Josh Allen's a much less accurate quarterback than Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings have a run-first offense. Better believe that the Buffalo Bills have a run-first offense as well. And you got Josh Allen, who's essentially a running back. So we'll see, really, if there's a connection there with him and Diggs off the bat. I mean, I like Josh Allen more than what you just said. But, yes, Stefan Diggs is going to uh, a downgrade in performance in both QB and offensive scheme. Uh, he's a really good receiver. I just don't – wide receiver one is a stretch. Then we got Jarvis Landry as his wide receiver, too. Okay, that's, that's fine. He's more of a flex piece option, I would say, in the dynasty st- setting. But he's really, really good with production. As long as he can stay healthy. Um, injury has plagued him a little bit already. Uh, then we got Hunter Renfro, I already mentioned, was a really good pick there in the rookie draft from Danny. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who is a downfield flyer with Carolina now. He has left the New York Jets, and he's there with Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater. will be throwing him the ball. We'll see what really happens there. I can't really predict it. I've always considered Teddy to be a game manager. You know, he's never, like, one to throw deep. Mohamed Sanu, 
Uh, I think he could be involved in the wide receiver core for the Patriots. We'll see, though, um, what Cam Newton really has got going on there. He's got Van Jefferson, who he just drafted. Auden Tate, Ted Ginn Jr. with the Bears. Uh, Geronimo Allison, who opted out. And then Quez Watkins, who is a rookie. Any of those names stick out? Renfro is going to be interesting because he had a really good rookie year, and the Raiders then went out and drafted a bunch of receivers. Um, Robbie Anderson, it's boomer bust with all of his flies that he's running. And Sanu, I mean, the Patriots don't have many receivers, so he could be an option. All the rest of those guys are throws at a dartboard. <clears throat> I'm not even sh- – Auden Tate's on Cincinnati, right? Yes. They just went and drafted a bunch of receivers, and A.J. Green should be back. Ted Ginn Jr., I don't see much with him. He's got a guy that's not on an NFL roster since he opted out, and two rookies. So we'll see. He he really needs to work on getting some depth for all of his flex piece options. All right, looking at the tight ends, though, I kind of like this. So we got Noah Fant. Nice project there with Denver. It's ironic because DJ Hawkinson, they used more draft capital on him in Detroit. And I think Noah Fant right now is the better tight end. I know that TJ Hawkinson got hurt last year, but Fant is such a more athletic tight end, and I like that. Obviously, you need a tight end that can block, or they're not going to see the, the field. But with Fant, he's athletic, and now he's got a young quarterback. We'll see if they have a connection. Jack Doyle, I really, really like this backup tight end option for Danny. Uh, because he's with the Colts, and the Colts, doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they heavily use their tight ends. When Ebron was there, he was on the field all the time. Even goddamn Mo Alley Cox from VCU basketball <laughs> is on the Colts, and they actually use him on the field a pretty good amount too. Phillip Rivers is now there in Indianapolis, and he loves throwing to the running back and the tight end. Those are his two highest targeted positions on the field. He loves the tight end, obviously, with Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry last year. Uh, I like Jack Doyle as a sneaky option this year in the NFL. Third, we got Thaddeus Moss. I'm shocked to be able to say that he is on Danny's team and not Randy because we thought that Randy was locked in with Thad Moss in the fourth. Uh, And then I remember Danny was beyond hype that he was able to get him and stash him on his taxi. Anything on those three tight ends? It's pretty solid overall. Um, I like the Doyle. uh, It's a sneaky everyday everyday, uh, pick. Uh, Fant could be something great. Um, I know that the Denver just went out and got a bunch of new weapons for Drew Locke. Um, I thought Fant had a solid year, but with all the new weapons, we're not sure where the target shards are going. And Thaddeus Moss is a good flyer in the fourth round. Um, I am also shocked that he's on Danny's roster, but he could be the starter for the Washington football team, uh, and that could be a good spot for him. So his kicker is Matt Gay, and to be honest, in redrafts, this is a kicker because I wait on kicker till the absolute end. This is a kicker I'm trying to target in a lot of leagues, and I'll bl- bluntly say that because Tampa Bay's offense is going to be great. Great kickers result from great offenses, getting obviously on the opposite side of the field. Matt Gay actually scored a good amount of points last year, so that's a nice option. Looking at his IDPs then, in the defensive line, he has Cameron Jordan, Cameron Hayward, and Geno Atkins. Uh, and then at the linebackers, he's got Roquan Smith, Jion Brown with the Titans, and then Miles Jack. Defensive backs, he's got Kevin King, Tyron Matthew, Richard Sherman, and Avante Maddox. Just looking at that right there, that's too many defensive backs because they're all corners. 
and they do not produce, except for Tyron Matthew. I like Tyron Matthew a lot. Yeah, Matthew's a really good player. Um, but Kevin King is interception dependent. Avante Maddox, the only reason I even know who the dude is is because he got hurt against the Packers last year. Um, I don't know why he's on a roster, to be perfectly honest. Um, and he's got some good, really good linebackers and really good defensive linemen. He's just got way too many of them. Mm-hmm. Let's look at some of his picks. So for 2021, he has his first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Then in 2022, that's going to be a year he's definitely going to be looking at that draft class. Either then or he's going to be packaging some of those picks to try to get some some nice vet or young players. He has two firsts, his own and Randy's. He has two seconds, his own and Randy's. He has Randy's third. He has his own fifth. And he has a sixth. Correction, on 2021, he does not have a third. In 2023, he has his standard six picks. So with all of that in mind, looking at who Danny should be cutting, right now he's technically not required to cut anybody. And the reason for that is he has Van Jefferson and Quez Watkins on his active roster right now. I don't see any route, even though the Rams... um, pass the ball a lot i don't see a route for either of those rookies to be even serviceable in the first year so those two guys right there should be thrown on his taxi i still don't understand why he only has one player on his taxi at this point doesn't really make sense to me and then also he has damian williams and geronimo allison on his roster both of those guys can be thrown on his ir in the covid spots Remember, this year alone, we are having, at at the maximum, you have 10 COVID spots for players that have either opted out or are on quarantine, they've gotten COVID, they may be exposed to some of their COVID. So the fact that they're on his active roster right now, that shouldn't be the case when the season starts. They should be on his IR. That's going to free him up four spots, which would not make him cut anybody. Are there any players on this roster that you say you would cut? If he was required to do so. I see actually quite a few people I would cut. Yeah, um, Procise is not on a roster. Uh, Avante Maddox and Kevin King, they have way too many DBs. At least if you have Richard Sherman and Tyron Matthew, you have good players. He's got too many D-linemen. Auden Tate's young enough, and he actually had a couple of really good games last year. He's a nice prospect piece. And he's got to go get another rookie to throw in his taxi. Yes. Because if he throws Van Jefferson and... Um, Quez Watkins, he's still got an empty spot to go along with Thaddeus Moss on that taxi. It it just seems like Danny's just not really looked at his roster since yeah, the draft. I would agree on that. We're going to be right back to talk about some commentary on Danny's team. Kneel before your brother. He's the Lord's chosen. Born amid salt and smoke. Born amid salt and smoke. Is he a ham? Let's talk about some things regarding the Fresh Prince of Hellaire. I'm going to call this team the true IDP army. We thought it was Will, but we just saw by looking through his depth chart, Danny's team is the absolute IDP army. Way too many IDPs. This offseason, Danny traded a third and a fourth round pick for Damian Williams, who could have been the starter in the Chiefs or the backup, depending on where CEH landed. Well, if you haven't already heard, Damian Williams opted out. Um, DeAndre Washington is now the backup for the Chiefs. Danny lost two assets for a guy that opted out this year. But he's still on his active roster even though he opted out. (laughs) 
you think he regrets this at all? I do definitely think he regrets this decision. Obviously, it's not one that you could foresee happening no. with COVID opt-outs. But I think he wishes he could have those two picks back because they could have been used in a different deal. Or and at the, at the minimum, put him on his uh, COVID list. Uh, I believe that Noah Fant could be on a breakout trajectory right now uh, just due to being young, being athletic, and having a pretty serviceable quarterback. We'll see if Drew Locke has a breakout. If he has a breakout, I think that could definitely bring Noah Fant up with him. And then I think Doyle's a nice safety net so that if Noah Fant would bust, he at least has Doyle to kind of back on, or to kind of fall back on. Yeah, and when he's got the QBs with Drew Brees and Carson Wentz throwing to him, they both have some question marks. Um, Drew Brees is obviously an elite quarterback, but he's at least 40. And it's been rumored the past couple of years they weren't sure if this is going to be his last year. Um, and then you have Carson Wentz, who has literally never had a 16-game healthy season. Those are two big question marks at QB, which is why it's still a little shocking that he doesn't have a young guy on his roster. Now, for him, I am going to say that his bench depth is a massive concern, specifically at the running back position. Wide receiver, he does have a couple playable guys. However, at running back, he's got no playable guys except for the guys that are in his flex. That's a huge concern, especially because he doesn't have really any elite players at the top. Very true. Um, And we were just talking about it. How does he have two bench running backs on his team? One not on the roster and one that opted out. He's got to go get someone. And he may be waiting until cuts, and he might get a guy or two that might be a flyer worth having, but he's got to go get someone. So outside of his starting running backs, I want to know, like, what is his identity? Because he has two top-flight running backs. However, at his quarterback, yes, Carson Wentz is going to be a good quarterback. I think he could definitely try to get a tier up at the quarterback. We'll see if he was really interested in doing that but like his wide receivers the guys at the top none of those guys are going to be like guarantees every week Stefan Diggs is one of the most inconsistent fantasy football players of all time Jarvis Landry is consistent however he's like a flex option because he'll score in the range of 10 points every single week you don't necessarily want that in one of your wide receiver one or two positions and is Jarvis going to be healthy going into the year? He just came off of a major hip surgery, and it's questionable if he's going to be fully healthy at the beginning of the year. Jarvis really hasn't missed many games to injury, but we saw how Odell Beckham tried playing through injury last year, and he just his performance tanked. So we'll see how healthy he is going into the season. Now, we know that Christian McCaffrey is an absolute horse, but how about CEH? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been put into the perfect offense with Patrick Mahomes, a great offensive line, an awesome offensive-minded coach. He should be an absolute horse in the Chiefs' backfield. I know the footballers talk about this all the time. Damian Williams is not a great running back. He's just good because he's got a great quarterback. He has an offense that if you scheme the offense around a specific player, I mean, how do you not perform in fantasy unless you're terrible? Shout out Kalen Balaj. So <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been put into the perfect offense. I think he's going to be an absolute horse this year. I 100% agree. I, I still don't have any idea how he was able to get Terry McLaurin in the fourth round last year. That's incredible value. And I know he's no longer on his team, but getting a wide receiver one on the Washington football team 
in the fourth round is an incredible steal right there. One thing I thought was interesting about his nine original players still on the roster, only three of them are positional. The other six are IDPs. So where did all those players go? He must have traded them all away or just completely cut them. Yeah, that's, that's a lot out of that. Um, I, I, we've already talked about this, but why is he not utilizing his taxi squad? He's got Thaddeus Moss, he's got Quez Watkins not on his taxi, and he's got Van Jefferson not on his taxi with an empty spot. If you go to every single other team, they at least have four people on their taxi. They may not be the ones going into the year, but they at least have people there. Yep. Why is he not using it? Absolutely. So the elephant in the room is obviously the massive trade that he had this year with Andy to get Christian McCaffrey. Shout out to Danny as well, who just ordered a Stanford Cardinal Christian McCaffrey jersey. It just came. I saw the picture on Snapchat. So Christian McCaffrey, this trade, he gave away John Brown, who was a random throw-in. I've already talked about this on Andy. Absolute robbery that he was going to give her Stephon Diggs, and she rather wanted John Brown because she doesn't like Stephon Diggs. That's a big L. Looking at it right now, like – Danny's wide receivers would have been John Brown and Jarvis Landry. We'd be talking about how much less of an identity he would have right now if she would have just taken Diggs. So mm-hmm. that's not good. So we got John Brown. He gave away three firsts, which are all picks that he got from Randy or from me in trades. A second and a fourth. That was an absolute haul. And to kind of piggyback on that, I cannot believe that he was able to keep his own first in that deal. That was a big mistake on Andy's part. But, I mean, she still got the assets that she needed in this trade. I just thought that was a huge steal for him because he's not going to do this year well this year on paper, forgetting the schedule based off of his team breakdown. Yeah, that was that was quite the trade. Um, we, we never will know in t- that, yeah, that was quite the trade. We won't know who won that for a while, but in the meantime, he's going to have the best overall player in fantasy football last year on his roster this year. And you know what hurts the most there is that, yes, I know he used some of those picks in that Christian McCaffrey trade, but losing Nick Chubb in that trade last year, he could have right now Chubb, CMC, and CEH as his starting running backs. That would be crazy. Uh, in the meantime, though, um, he does have two studs, but Nick, Nick Chubb is going to have a monster year as well. Yeah, and Randy is definitely loving the fact that he got Nick Chubb. So I believe that he should be in the market for another quarterback as of the end of this podcast. Breeze is going to be gone at the end of this season, in my eyes, uh, as long as they make a deep run. I don't think he's just going to keep coming back to get disappointed if that would happen. If they win the Super Bowl, same thing. He doesn't really have anything else to prove, but – Going into next year with one quarterback would not be good for Danny. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. So we were talking about before about how Jarvis Landry, it'll be a little bit of a question mark if he's both healthy or if the flex or wide receiver too. Never forget on the night of the rookie draft, he decided to listen to offers on Jarvis. We sent, People send him a bunch of offers. And he's like, ah, no, I'm just going to not trade him anymore. I'm good. <laughs> Speaking of draft night, never forget when he was trying to move up to get Jerry Judy and he was discussing trade with a team that had already picked and was not on the clock. (laughs) They had already submitted their pick and he missed out on Judy. How pissed was he? I will never let him hear the end of that epic moment. Um, We've talked about it before about how he's really the IDP army. 
he has so many good he has so many good IDPs and a few that are just why are they even on the roster? <laughs> but like the the quality of the guys he has are really really good week to week. We'll give him that. He just has too many. A couple trades I wanted to just mention. Uh, so he did make a trade with me to get Stefan Diggs. That's why he has him on his team. So he got Stefan Diggs and my first. I gave him Julio Jones. Or sorry, he gave me Julio Jones in a second. You think that's a wash? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Julio's a better player, but the, I understand the, the different depth with the picks on. Now I, and I gave Julio away as well. Now, also that Chubb trade that you mentioned earlier with Randy, he gave away Nick Chubb, and then Randy sent him Matt Breida, who's one of his flex options, Cam Jordan, two firsts, two seconds, and $75 worth of fab. If fab was part of the discussion at that point, I would have tried to get another pick. I don't know if he could have done it, but um, big-time haul, two firsts, two seconds for Chubb. That's about what he's valued at right now anyways. Yeah, it's, it's great value, um, for sure. And he packaged those first to help go get Christian McCaffrey, an even better upgrade. I understand exactly what he's thinking there. Um, it's just crazy to look back that he could have had three of the top five fantasy running backs. And I just keep going back to how he you literally needs zero cuts if he does a little roster maintenance to his team right now. There's plenty of guys that can be cut and should be cut. But right now, if he just puts the guys in the COVID list and puts them on their taxi squad, he has nobody to cut. That's that's crazy to me at this point in the offseason. Then uh, another trade that he made, we've talked about a couple of these guys already. Um, he traded Sony Michelle and Terry McLaurin and two-thirds for John Brown, Drew Brees, and a 2021 first. He then packaged that first in the Christian McCaffrey deal. John Brown in the Christian McCaffrey deal, and Breeze could be a starting QB this year. It's an interesting deal. Um, he loses some good assets, but he got some good ones back. What, what do you think about that trade? To be honest, I'd rather have the McLaurin deal mm-hmm. uh, because McLaurin is the better player. He's the best player in the package. I know a first was included, but McLaurin, if we look at his team, if he would have been able to keep McLaurin, um, I get that he needed Breeze with a backup quarterback. But McLaurin, I... You know, he gave away one of his top tier wide receivers and a great flex piece. So that's why I would choose that side. He also sent me AJ Green for a third round pick and Mohamed Sanu. Question I have is Is Mohamed Sanu really that valuable? I know AJ Green, a lot of people are down on because he's getting towards the end of his career and he is injured. But when he's on the field, he is a top tier wide receiver. I can confidently say he's a top 10 wide receiver when he's on the field. So. We're going to come right back and talk about Danny's 2019 season. Joffrey, Cersei, Walter Frey, Meryn Trant, Tywin Lannister, the Red Woman, Beric Gondarian, Thoros of Myr, Ilin Payne. The mountain. Would you shut up? Danny went four and nine on the season. This includes a two-game win streak, a three-game losing streak, and a five-game losing streak. In week one, he played against Randy, and he lost by 16 points. Danny's leading scorer was Carson Wentz with 31. Randy's leading scorer was Dalvin Cook with 26. After this matchup, Danny went to 0-1 on the season. 
In week two, Danny played against Garrett and lost by 20 points. Julio Jones was his leading scorer with 28.6. Chris Godwin was Garrett's leading scorer with 26.1. This moved Danny to 0-2 on the season. In week three, Danny played against Andy and lost to her by 47. Danny's leading scorer was Carson Wentz with 27.6. Andy's leading scorer was Cooper Cup with 34.1. Danny moved to 0-3 on the year. In week four, Danny played against Logan and beat him by 30 points. Danny's leading scorer was Nick Chubb with 39.3. Logan's leading scorer was Chris Carson with 18.5. Danny moved to 1-3 and three on the year. In week five, Danny played against Tyler and lost to him by 77 points. Danny's leading scorer was Sony Michelle with 21.3. Tyler's leading scorer was Matt Ryan with 37.9. This moved Danny to 1-4 and four on the year. In week 6, Danny played against Taco and beat him by 9 points. Danny's leading scorer was Nick Chubb with 28.9. Taco's leading scorer was James Conner with 30.9. Danny moved to 2-4 and four on the year. In week 7, Danny played against Justin and beat him by 30 points. Danny's leading scorer was Sony Michelle with 22.4. Justin's leading scorer was Austin Eckler with 25.5. Danny moved to 3-4 on the year. In week 8, Danny played against Will and lost to him by 70 points. Danny's leading scorer was Stefan Diggs with 19.3. Will's leading scorer was Aaron Rodgers with 33.1. Danny moved to 3-5 on the year. In week 9, Danny played against Rowdy and lost to him by 34 points. Danny's leading scorer was Noah Fant with 20.5. Rowdy's leading scorer was Ty- Tyreek Hill with 26.5. This moved Danny to 3-6 on the year. In Week 10, Danny played against Jake and lost to him by 33. Danny's leading scorer was Jarvis Landry with 24.7. Jake's leading scorer was Aaron Jones with 27.3. This moved Danny to 3-7. The losing continued in Week 11 as Danny went up against Ryan and lost to him by 16. Stefan Diggs was Danny's leading scorer with 23.1. Lamar Jackson was Ryan's leading scorer with 40.7. Danny moved to 3-8. and eight. The bleeding continued in Week 12 as Danny played against Randy and lost to him by 5. Danny's leading scorer was Jarvis Landry with 36.8. Randy's leading scorer was Nick Chubb with 25.4. This moved Danny to 3-9. and nine. Finally, in week 13, Danny beat Garrett by 14 points. Danny's leading scorer was Carson Wentz with 30.4. Josh Allen was Garrett's leading scorer with 25.5. Danny ended the season at 4-9 and and the number one overall pick. We are going to be right back to break down Danny's 2020 season. Or you, when we get married. You can tell me if you don't like somebody, and then we can bring them back here and whoosh! Right through the moon door. I like the sound of that. Let's put a moon door in your Winterfell. All right. It can go in here, in this big tower. Be careful. You've ruined it, and I'm going to have to rebuild the whole thing. I didn't ruin it. You did. It was already ruined because it didn't have a moon door. I was fixing it. Knocking things down isn't fixing them, it's ruining them. I didn't ruin it! You're being stupid. I didn't ruin it! (laughs) 
Let's talk about Danny's lucky 2020 season according to Sleeper. So we're going to start off in week one with Danny playing against Stirk Daddy. Uh, Sleeper is projecting Danny to lose by 8.4 points. Looking at some of the options there, Danny's flex includes Raheem Mostert and Robbie Anderson in this matchup, and Garrett's flex includes David Johnson and Melvin Gordon. Looking at Danny's regular starting lineup here, he's got Carson Wentz, Christian McCaffrey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jarvis Landry and Stephon Diggs, and Noah Fant. With all this in mind, Danny would move to 0-1 on the season. In week number two, Danny is playing against Andy, and Sleeper is projecting him to win by 15.2 points. The only change in Danny's lineup from the previously mentioned is Matt Breida would be entering into the flex. On Andy's side in the flex, she has Curtis Samuel and John Brown coming over from Andy. So this is the Christian McCaffrey game. We'll see who comes out on top. Uh, with this in mind, Danny would move to 1-1. One one. <clears throat> in week three, Danny is playing against Tyler, and Sleeper's projecting him to win by 22.5 points. Same situation here for Danny's team, but on Tyler's side in the flex, he would have Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb with his wide receivers being Michael Gallup and Julian Edelman. Looking at running backs for Tyler, he's got Latavius Murray in there as well with Kareem Hunt. Mm. With this in mind, Danny would move to 2-1. and one. In week 4, Danny is playing against Spaceballs, and Sleeper's projecting Danny to lose by 8.2 points. Looking at his roster, it's the same situation, no bye weeks yet. On Spaceball's side, he has Daniel Jones as his quarterback. Uh, and then in the flex, he would have Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Brandon Ayuk. With this in mind, Sleeper projects Danny to move to 2-2. Two and two. In Week 5, Danny is playing against Randy, and Sleeper is projecting Danny to win by 5.4 points. Two teams on by this week, including the Lions and Packers. But it does not phase Danny at all. The only player that's on by is Kevin King on his roster. Same situation with Danny, except for the fact that his wide receiver two this week is looking like it could be Hunter Renfro. And his quarterback could be Drew Brees. So Stephon Diggs must have a tough matchup. On Randy's side, he's got Gardner Minshew at the quarterback position. And then in the flex, he would have Miles Sanders and Odell Beckham. He does not have a kicker this week. After this matchup, Danny would move to three and two. In, in week six, we have a brotherly matchup. Danny's playing against his brother, Michael. There are four teams on by, Raiders, Patriots, Saints, and Seahawks. Players on by for Danny include Drew Brees, Cameron Jordan, Mohamed Sanu, and Hunter Renfro. In Danny's starting lineup, he's got Jack Doyle at tight end, and then the rest of his lineup is pretty standard. On little slat key side in the flex, he has Terry McLaurin and Tyreek Hill. Holy crap, that's a nice flex right there. With this in mind, though, Sleeper has Danny again winning by 6.5 points and moving him to 4-2 and two on the season. In week 7, Danny is playing against Jake, and there are four teams on by, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Titans, and the Vikings. Danny only has three players on by, none of which are usually in his starting lineup, including Miles Jack, Jayon Brown, and Jack Doyle. 
Sleeper is projecting Danny to beat Jake by 3.3 points, moving him to 5 and 2. Looking at the starting lineups, Danny in the flex once again has Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida. On Jake's side in the flex, he has Devin Singletary and Darius Slayton. So again, after this matchup, Danny would move to 5 and 2. I'm going to toss it over to Justin in Week 8. All right, in Week 8, Ryan is hit hard by buys, and which makes Danny projected to beat him and go 6-2 and two on the year with a 158.7 to 150.3 uh, victory. There are six teams on bye this week, which means that Danny would be starting Jack Doyle instead of Noah Fant and would not be having Cameron Hayward in his lineup. So Danny would have his normal, his, all of his normal guys except Doyle in his lineup um, instead of Fant, and Ryan would have Mike Gesicki and Kenny Galladay in his flex spots, where Danny would have Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida. After week eight, Danny's record is six and two. Moving into week nine, that's where Danny has a lot of players on by, but he's still projected to beat me by 26, 164.7 to 138.3. Uh, on by this week, he has Jarvis Landry, Avante Maddox, Carson Wentz, Alden Tate, Van Jefferson, Quez Watkins, and Geno Atkins. So truly only two starter starting people. Uh, so instead, he'll have Drew Brees at QB and Robbie Anderson in his second wide receiver spot, where I'm going to have uh, Sammy Watkins and Christian Kirk as my flex guys going against Mostert and Breida, the Kyle Shanahan disciples. Um, after week nine... Danny would be 7-2. In week 10, um, he has a, a big loss in the running back position where he has CEH on bye, yet he's still projected to beat Logan 154.7 to 147 um, even and become 8-2 in the year. Crazily enough, Logan does not have a kicker that week, and if you put a kicker in that spot, it's a, it's a coin flip on who wins that one. Um, Somehow, he, they still have uh, Jarvis Landry and Robbie Anderson in the wide receiver spots and Mostert and Diggs in the flex spots, so no um, Brita that week. Uh, Logan has A.J. Green and Jamison Crowder in his flex spots. After this close victory, Danny would be 8-2. In week 11, Danny has another quite a few guys on buys and is projected to lose to Will, uh, 150. 9.9 to 152.3, so a 7.5 point loss. He has Stefan Diggs, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, Roquan Smith, Ted Ginn Jr., and Richard Sherman on bye. Uh, Breida and Mostert and Diggs all on bye is have some scratching for uh, nickels and quarters to try to figure out who he can throw in his flex spots. He's going to have Jarvis Landry and Hunter Renfro as wide receivers. And Mohamed Sanu and Jack Doyle as his flexes. Yikes. Will has DK Metcalf and Larry Fitzgerald as his flexes. I like Will's flexes just a bit better in that matchup. Uh, after week 11, Danny moves to 8-3. and three. In week 12, Danny is right back in the win column after p- winning against Sterk. Um, once again, I have to say the NFL is dumb for not having buys in week 12. So Danny has his full complement of guys on his roster, and it starts Drew Brees instead of Wentz this week. Um, Sterk has David Johnson and Melvin Gordon in his flex spots, 
yet is still projected to lose to Danny by 11, 155.1 to 144.1. After week 12, Danny is 9-3. In week 13, Danny loses both Christian McCaffrey and his only kicker in Matt Gay, and yet is still projected to beat Andy by 8.4 in 143.1 to 134.6. Jack Doyle is a second flex along with Matt Breida, and Mostert gets moved to the running back two spot for that week. Uh, Andy's running backs are Zach Moss and DeAndre Swift, and her flexes are Nikhil Harry and John Brown. In the Christian McCaffrey Bowl, Christian McCaffrey is not going to be playing the second time this year. But Danny should end the regular season, according to Sleeper, at 10-3, and three, which is pretty crazy. So looking at his team, he has no depth. And with that in mind, I know he has such an easy schedule. I don't think he has the horses to pull a lot of these close matchups out. I have him going 7-6. and six. How about you? I have it even a little bit lower. I think 6-7. and seven. I think he's going to be held up by the Christian McCaffrey CEH train that's going to give him a lot of close victories or wins. But there's the no depth is what's killing him. If any of those guys gets hurt, he's screwed. And that's why I think 6-7, six 7-6 and, seven, seven and six is right around the right range for him. We are going to be coming back next week and talking about space balls and talking about his team for the 2020 season.